Welcome to this episode of Shoulder to Shoulder, where we strive to grow in love of the Lord and each other. Good morning, Megan. Hi, Pam. <laughs> it's nice to have everyone back with us today it on is. this episode. And what are we talking about today, Megan? Well, we're going to dig into little bit of scripture. We really enjoyed our last episode where we really dug into scripture for that. So now we're going to um, talk about something that Paul addresses, which is when he's talking about the times he falls short or the ways he falls short. Mm. I I think sometimes as Christians, particularly for those of us who really are trying to order our lives um, completely towards the Lord and, and to really seek and do his will and, and to try to stay away from sin. When we really desire that, when it's really, that is our heart. What we want more than anything is to do God's will and to not sin and to not cause any rupture in that relationship. It, it can get really frustrating when we do sin and we do fall short and then, you know, we struggle with that reality. And so Paul speaks to it. Mm-hmm. And I think I thought it would be really good for us to kind of dig into those couple places where he addresses it, kind of unpack that a bit and, you know, talk about how we experience that in our own lives and the different kind of responses that we can have to our own sinfulness, the thoughts that we have about why we still fall into sin and the ways we fall into sin and, and everything. So it's really meant to be an encouragement uh, more than a discouragement, even though we're going to be talking about sinning. Um, but, uh, you know, I think the, the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to be kind of vulnerable about this reality and his writing so that we could benefit from them. Mm-hmm. So um, there's, I'm going to start with one passage um, from Romans chapter eight, and then I'll bring in the next one. Um, That'll be from Ephesians later uh, when we kind of get to it a little bit. So here is the one. Oh, sorry. Actually, it's not from Ephesians. It's from 2 Corinthians that the second one will be from. But here's where I want to start in Romans chapter 8, verse 14. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree that the law is good. So then it is no longer I that do it, but sin which dwells in me. For I know that nothing good dwells within me that is in my flesh. I can will what is right, but I cannot do it. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I do. It's a little bit of a tongue twister. It is a little tongue twister. So true. How many, how many times will you say that to ourselves? Oh, there we did it again. Go to confession. We're there. We're doing it again. And and I do have my little insight on this because I've pondered this quite a bit um, as a person that falls repeatedly into sin. Obviously all of us do. Um, I have noticed when it comes to really trying to battle personal sin that throughout our lifetime and up until the point in which we start to very conscientiously try to combat sin, 
we have developed what I call a sin habit. Mm -hmm. It's a habit. And it's a habit that perhaps has been done 20 or 30, 40 years, you know, in the making. Well, those kind of habits aren't going to go away overnight. They're really right. ingrained. And a lot of that is also tied to our own concupiscence, obviously our original sin that we have. But one of the things I like to tell myself is after I've fallen that way, how fast do I get back to the truth of my nature and being a beloved daughter of the mm -hmm. King? That definitely says a lot about how you really feel and what you want, right, to be. And I, that place of what do I want, I think is really important because I think a lot of times we tend to dismiss our desires and focus only on our actions. And what I feel Paul is trying to tell us here is that the fact that he wants to do the good matters. Like he's acknowledging there is good, there is sin. And I, he's not saying, well, I don't even care about doing what is good or I deny that there is even sin. He's acknowledging, I know that there is good. I, I know that there's sin and I really, really want to do what is good. And sometimes I think as Christians, we can be so like knee jerk to beat ourselves up. And I, let me just speak in personal terms. <laughs> I, I personally am so knee jerk to beat myself up. Yeah. It's like on this front, it doesn't matter what I wanted to be, who I wanted to be. It only matters what I do. And if I fall short of who I want to be for God, then that's all that matters. And you know, I just recently came to an understanding. I wonder, did we talk about this at another point? I don't know. I, I understood that I'm constantly grading myself. Mm. And there are only two grades, A plus and F, and A plus is unattainable. Mm. So what are you then always feeling? I failed. Yeah. I failed. Yeah. And I think Paul is trying to tell us in, in his own first person, like, yeah, I do the thing I don't want. But the fact that I want to do the good does count for something, oh, right, right. right? And I want to talk a little bit about this idea that so often we find people denying that there even is sin. Yeah. What is that about? I don't, I don't understand that. The justifications, really the rationalizations, the turning of things upside down that say, oh, well, I don't want to feel bad about what I'm doing. Yes. So I'm no longer going to say it's bad. Well, you know, as you're saying that, I'm thinking, isn't that what um, the Reformation was about? Was it Martin Luther who, through his personal failings, then kind of rewrote how it's going to be? Because there are aspects of he, that. For he sure. was like, but if I'm predestined, then I don't need to feel bad about sinning. Well, Calvin was really more on the predestination oh, okay. side, but right. Luther was definitely had a hard time with the understanding of his own goodness mm -hmm. and that 
you know, that no matter what, he was still a dung heap in the middle and that, you know, Christ covered, he's covered over by Christ, but in the middle, there's no real transformation. So he, yeah, he definitely did have a hard time accepting his own, the good within himself for sure. Until, but he was still once saved, always saved, right? Uh, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. That may be a more recent thing, but it's complicated, but as far as Sounds like another show for different yeah, maybe days. we should yeah. go into that. It's yeah. true, like because it's it's good to understand whether one is Catholic or Protestant to understand what happened there, right? Because it's it's all it's part of all our history as Christians. We should know our history. We should know about the wounds that we've experienced in the body of Christ. So let's talk. Let's put that on the list of I really kind of writing it down right yeah. now. Okay, but getting back to this. Um, So what he's kind of saying is, now, if I do what I do not want, I agree that the law is good. So he's saying, I think what he's trying to say is the fact that I don't want it is saying that the law is good. So I'm assenting within. He's agreeing. He's agreeing. There's assent within himself, within his mind and in his heart that that is what good is, but that his flesh struggles to integrate itself fully with what his soul knows and understands, mm-hmm. right? How much is that a reality, right? And so this is a place where I think that as Christians, we can have mercy on ourselves and on others. We don't have to assume that just because somebody sins, that they don't care that they sinned, that they don't understand that it is a sin, but there are things within us that are fleshy parts, you know, our parts that are not completely been healed by Christ, that we aren't fully possessing the fullness of grace, that we're going to still struggle, like you said, with concupiscence, and we're going to go against even what we desire. So I, you know, when I was reading this, I was not only reminding myself to try to go easy on myself a bit about this places where I can fall, but also to really try to suspend judgment more on others who sin. Because I'll be honest, sometimes when I look at a person who is representing themselves as a faithful Christian, speaking to that, saying that that's who they are and everything, And then I see them doing something that is so clearly sinful. There's a part of me that's like, I don't know if I can trust anything about you. Like, can I trust that that that's not all just smoke and mirrors, what you're trying to represent yourself as a Christian? How could you, when you know it's not, you know, right? Right. Mm -hmm. And so, but that, that reality is maybe that person yeah, I do know. And I didn't want to do that. And I hate myself for doing it, but I fell into it because of this weakness or that wound or whatever. And I know I do that. I do that Mm -hmm. sometimes, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I'm hoping that in discussing this and acknowledging more, you know, the sin that we do not want. Yeah. It's still sin. But the fact that we don't want it is part of our holiness. Yeah. That is such a great way to look at it, Megan. 
That's really a great way. Because another thing that stood out in that passage to him, it's not, it's, it is me, but it's the sin within me that does it. Because mm-hmm. he's like, I don't want to do it, but the sin within me does it. Yeah. In fact, the last uh, thing I did actually didn't read this line, but I think it's perfect that you brought that up because it does speak to the last line that kind of wraps it up. He says, now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I that do it, but sin which dwells in me. Mm-hmm. And so he's, I think that's a good thing. He's, he's separating himself. He's like, the sin doesn't define me. It's not who it's I not am. not who I am. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but how often do we define ourselves by our sins? If we're, if we're Christians, we define ourselves as failures because of our sins. If we're not Christians, we often define ourselves by our sins to justify them as not being sins. How, how much do you see that in this day and age? I'm going to define myself by my sin as my identity, but <laughs> so that I'm going to say it's not a sin, it's a good. That's right. Because I'm good, and this is who I am. So now it's who I, I'm defining myself by it in order my to deny is, it's a sin. It's my truth, your truth is right. the relativism. Yeah. And so we should never define a human by sin because sin is not of God. Sin is of the enemy. And it's not who God created. God did not create sinners. He created perfect human beings who then chose to sin. But their true identity doesn't rest in that choice. They're still beloved, beloved children of God. Yeah, so then that question of choice is an interesting point, too, because when he's saying, I do the thing I do not want, did you choose to do it? Like, so what level of culpability do we have in sin? I think there's ranges. Yes. You know, and and that's something that I've really... Yeah, I think that's something that I've really really loved to learn about Catholic theology is an understanding that there are things that increase and decrease culpability. Mm. You know, I grew up in a Protestant setting that was like, sin is sin. Sin is sin. It doesn't matter. It's just, if it's sin, it's sin. There's no like levels levels and and shades and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. And so, but the reality is, is that doesn't, jive with what we know about ourselves right right? and and so say for example a person who steals out of greed that's a more culpable than stealing out of need Mm -hmm. right like you would have preferred not to steal but you felt like oh well my kid's gonna starve if i don't steal this loaf of bread so i'm going to do this even though it's not really my desire to steal but my desire to survive survive and feed my child you know is such that right Mm-hmm. So that place of understanding, okay, yes, I sin. Why am I sinning? Am I sinning because I'm still struggling in places that I haven't fully been healed of wounds, that I haven't fully opened myself up to God's grace, that I still need his healing, his work, his, you know, help right or 
am I really choosing to sin? Is, is the sin what I want? Can I honestly say I do not want this mm-hmm. sin? And how much of it is habitual, like I was talking in the, in the beginning? Is it just a bad habit? Because you can break bad habits. Right. And then, and then the question is, okay, if it's a bad habit, I'm bringing it to confession every time, and it's not going away, why am I not doing the things that it takes to break the habit? Right. That's something to take to a spiritual director. Yes, yeah, that would be a good sure. thing. It would be a very good thing. Absolutely. But now I want to get to the next passage I wanted to talk about because the reality is sometimes it may actually be part of God's plan for you. Mm-hmm. And that seems weird, right? But that is very true. Let's talk about the the thorn in the flesh here. So he's talking about in this passage in 2 Corinthians uh, verse t- uh, chapter 12. And it's kind of weird. He's, he so doesn't want to like be braggy <laughs> that he's he actually kind of speaks sort of like in the third person, you know, or, or like second person, actually. Uh, you know, I'm talking about a guy, but he's really talking about himself and about how he had a vision of paradise. So he had like a, a, a really profound mystical experience. Okay, okay. Okay. So he says, uh, on behalf of this man himself, <laughs> I will not boast, but on my own behalf, I will not boast except of my weaknesses. Though if I wish to boast, I shall not be a fool for I shall be speaking the truth, but I refrain from it so that no one might think more of me than he sees in me or hears from me. So what he's saying is, I don't want to talk about this mystical experience that's really profound and like other and may look amazing. He's like, I only want to be judged on what you actually see and hear from me, not this other experience that maybe seems pretty profound Mm -hmm. and amazing, right? So then he goes on to say, and to keep me from being too elated by the abundance of revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, Mm. a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from being too elated. Three times I begged the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. What a good, good line. Say that one again, Megan, just one more time. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. So this idea of why does the Lord allow this to keep being an issue for me? Why do I keep having to struggle with this thing? I've brought it to him a hundred times. I've asked him to heal it. I've gone into spiritual direction. I've looked at the roots of it and yet it still keeps coming up. What? What, Lord? Mm-hmm. How, what must I do? Sometimes the answer is, allow it. Oh, yeah. That's the thorn right there. Right, because I think sometimes we read this passage and we're like, I wonder what his thorn was. Like, what was it? What was he suffering from? What was his sinfulness? What was his thing? And, like, you know, people have said maybe he was gay and all that. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Totally missing the point here. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what it was. It was a place where he felt weak 
and he was begging the Lord for healing. And the Lord was saying, I have a different plan. Your healing in this place isn't what my plan for you is because I have a plan for your weakness. How hard is it for us who want to be made perfect to accept that? That your will for me might entail my still struggling with this. A a suffering, definitely. Yeah. How how torturous it is that when we do these things once again, that not only do we have that sin, but then we start beating ourselves up. We start, you know, belittling ourselves about, well, you know, if you were actually holy, you would be able to overcome this. You know, right. Kind yeah, of thing. yeah. Or uh, a really sad place where it's like, well, I guess the Lord just doesn't love me enough to heal me. That's right. That's another one. He doesn't want my good. Oh my gosh. No, 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 no. Please never, ever say that lie to you that God doesn't desire your good. It's just the reality is that he understands what's good for you more than you do. And so the thing that Paul is saying is, I think it's important to keep me from being too elated by an abundance of revelations. A thorn was given to me. The reality is the thorns that we have may be the protection for a much greater sin than whatever the thorn may tempt us to. Right. The Mm. sin of pride Mm. that says, I am so perfect now. I am so holy. I am, I don't even need a savior. Oof, oof, oof. That place is the most perilous, dangerous place you can be. And sometimes the Lord will protect us from it. By holding our weakness up in front of our, our faces time and time again, not because he doesn't love us, but because he loves us so much that he understands that our weakness of pride may be much worse than whatever this weakness is that he's allowing. It's so true. I, I equate that a little bit with suffering as well. Like just as I reflect on my life that the, the fruits that are born from suffering have been tremendous. Mm, they've driven, yeah. they've, they've allowed me to come closer to him. They've allowed me to learn how to process them um, for his greater glory. It's changed me. And again, it's one of those things we do not have the mind of God. Right. We cannot think Absolutely. as he thinks. We can't. We can't know the whole story. There's so many threads that he's weaving together in this tapestry. And we're, we have a very specific part to play in his whole plan for salvation history. But I think sometimes we get too caught up in an individualistic thinking about salvation. And it is important to be concerned about one's own personal salvation. But as a body of Christ, we're together being saved. And we're part of each other's journey of salvation. And the weaknesses that we have may be part, a big part of somebody else's salvation. And we have to be willing to allow that. Because when he goes on after he says, after Christ, you know, the Lord speaks to him and says, my grace is sufficient. My power is made perfect in weakness. So Paul responds. This is his response to those words from the Lord. 
I will all the more gladly boast in my weaknesses that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Mm. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, I am strong. Amen. See what he's doing here? Do you see that? It's just so clear to me with this passage when he talks about those weaknesses that what is the opposite of that beautiful weakness to embrace? That is the pride, the sin of Satan that caused the whole fall if we get too puffed up with ourselves. But if we acknowledge our own shortcomings, embrace our weaknesses, there's so much more room for growth. Absolutely. So it's amazing. It's beautiful. And don't forget, he begged the Lord to take it from him. It's, it's, it's not wrong to ask the Lord for healing, for, for deliverance from places where we struggle. Do that. Mm-hmm. Do it just like mm-hmm. Paul did it. But then submit to the answer that God gives you, which is either, okay, I'll heal you. I'll heal you right now. He may. He may be like, not yet. Not yet. Mm-hmm. Or he may be like, not here, not for this, mm-hmm. because I have a plan for that, mm-hmm. a plan that's greater. Trust me. And so I'm going to try to, as I go into forward, as I hold this more, and when I'm tempted to beat myself up for the places that I'm weak and, a pla- and I'm tempted to get frustrated and say, God, why again? Why am I not free of this? To ask, Lord, help me see if this is part of your will. If this place of weakness is a place where your power is being made perfect. Right. And for me, Megan, I'll process it a little differently that when I start to see how I'm beating myself up to say, stop. Because this is a weakness that Christ can work with. Mm Mm-hmm. This is part of the weakness he's allowed for you. Because I do, I beat myself up way too much. (laughs) And I'd also say, you know, when insults and hardships and persecutions come, and they will come, and I think they'll be coming harder and faster. In the coming days Yes, soon. Instead of asking, why me, why me? Let us say, I rejoice in my sufferings. Amen. And may the power of Christ rest upon me. Because his power will be made perfect in my weakness. Mm. So good. If only I could like keep that in my brain all the time. I slip back into my old, right, old habits. Right. And then you just <clears throat> start back again. That's right. Yeah. So as we close, I just want to say thank you, St. Paul. Thank you for your witness. Thank you for your words. Thank you for your obedience to write these words. Thank you for listening to the Holy Spirit. Thank you for bringing this sword of truth into our hearts. Pray for us. Amen. Amen. Well, until next time. Let's remain united in prayer. God bless. God bless.